Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in the Bay Area, it's time for Bay Area Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Bay Area Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Leah Davis Coaching, inspiring women of color to claim their wealth legacy. Today on Bay Area Business Radio, we have Dana Look Arimoto, and she is with Settle Smarter. Welcome, Dana. Thank you. Hi. I am excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about Settle Smarter. How are you serving folks? Yeah, so it's a blend of things. It's coaching with executives and leaders and teams and a lot of work to help people become smarter. We're already smart. So there's a lot of podcasting and blogging and online workshops and a book that came out last year. So how'd you get into this line of work? I spent about 25 years in corporate America and helped train and hire and lead and mentor and sometimes fire literally thousands of people. And then from that, you decided to uh, go out on your own. You always had an kind of an entrepreneurial itch? Yeah, I had helped many founders grow and even exit their businesses. And I realized at one point about five years ago, why not actually take my body of work and my life's passion and turn it into something I do full time? Was there kind of an aha moment or a catalyst that uh, made you pull the trigger? Yeah, it's interesting. There was a, a friend of mine that was speaking on a panel for me Remember pre-COVID when we were all able to physically be together, we would do sessions for uh, women in this particular case in technology in Silicon Valley, where I spent 20 years. And this particular woman, Kate Parmal, had written The Moonshot Effect. And she said to the audience, and I felt like she was saying it to me, the moderator, you don't have enough white space. It's not that you need to multitask more. It's not that you can't have it all by doing your all, but certainly not all at one time. And that was my basis for my work that we're in this hamster wheel and we've got to get off sprinting the, you know, marathon as if you can sprint inside the marathon. So more white space. And then, so now how did this new lifestyle um, kind of create more life, uh, white space for you? Yeah. So I work differently now. I work smarter. So I changed my work schedule. I have a lot more flexibility. I am doing more for myself and my own well-being. And it actually helps me be more performance enhanced to help others and also lead by example, because we know people follow what we say, not what we do. We know it in parenting. We know it in leadership. We know it in relationships. So yeah, it really changed my entire lifestyle, including my work. And then is, was that kind of the impetus for the book, Stop Settling, Settle Smart? Yeah, it really was. It's about redesigning things and having an actual plan, a plan of attack as to how to have what you want and go for it, just not all at one time. It's about reprioritizing. Do people kind of know what they want or is it something that a lot of people are, are on this hamster wheel, they're doing something, maybe their parents told them or their friends influenced them or their spouse, and then they they really don't know what they want? Oh, Lee, it's not even that they ask themselves what they want, I'm finding over the last five years. It's almost as if that's taboo and even societally, we're not supposed to have what we want. We're supposed to do everything we're supposed to do and put ourselves last. And that's where the trouble begins. 
So what are some of the things people can do to not put themselves last? First and foremost, figure out where your time is most valuable. And I have uncovered what I call the trifecta, which is joy, productivity, and value. And for overachievers and givers and people that like to serve others, we tend to provide a lot of value, but we don't necessarily have value coming back. We don't feel valued or valuable enough. And we trade off joy for productivity and value to take care of everyone else besides ourselves. But isn't life just full of trade-offs? (laughs) <laughs> it is. And that's the, the beauty of it, which is a blend of art and science. So the science is, for example, this free quiz I have on my website where you can actually figure out when no one's looking, what are the conscious voluntary trade-offs I want to make and I'm willing to make. And once you make the shift of spending more time doing parts of your career, your time with family or more time with friends or even in community and your own well-being, you have to pull some of that time from one of those other life facets in order to push more time into another bucket. Now, can people do this without kind of feeling guilty about that? I love that you bring up guilt. I've been teaching this for years. Guilt is not an emotion unless you've done something horribly unethical or illegal. Guilt is manufactured and manipulative and it does a real number on us and everyone else that we come into contact with. So we need to dump the guilt and we need to actually go for what it is we really want realistically and situationally. Now, it's one thing to kind of intellectualize these um, points, but how does the person actually put them into practice? Are there some baby steps they can be doing to just, you know, kind of ease themselves into this? Or is this a pull the Band-Aid kind of approach? Yeah, the Band-Aid approach was what served me, at least that's what I believed, for my corporate America upward ladder climbing until I crashed. The Band-Aid ripoff doesn't actually work. It's the micro habits little steps, an hour at a time. So for my clients, what we talk about is micro joy building habits, one hour per week, or micro exercise habits, one hour shift per week. Some people actually want less time with their family and more time at work. Okay. It doesn't mean it's like an all or nothing. The extremes never have it. Little things along the way, little shifts. And then can you share some examples of what are some of these little kind of joy habits a person can start implementing in their life? Yeah. So petting a dog, for example, we know that there's therapeutic things that happen when we work with animals for those of us that are animal lovers. So for me, I'll just give an example. I pet the dogs before I get out of bed every morning. Not everyone wants to sleep with their dogs. Totally get that. For some people, it's I'm going to take a walk three days a week, I'm going to be out in nature, even if it's 20 minutes. Honor yourself, get that three days a week. And for other people, when it comes to the career facet, they are aspiring, they are competing, especially in the pandemic times and everything we are dealing with, the hangover effect of 2020 continues. We need to think about, are there things at work that actually really do serve us that we want more of so that we might have to trade off an hour a week spending time with friends, perhaps even on the phone or on Zoom or Skype that doesn't really serve us. Friends will understand if you're honest that there's something happening at work and I really need that hour. 
Now, is there any part of the uh, the book or the process that involves pruning? Because a lot of people continue to add things to their life, but they never kind of audit the things they've added. Yeah, so there are 168 hours in the week, no matter who you are, where you're from, what you look like, what you believe, we all have the same amount of time. So you have to prune. You can't keep adding because then you get burnt out and over-indexed. And then what are kind of some areas to prune? Uh, I find a lot of folks focus energy onto themselves. And I find that if they would focus more on their neighbors, their community, their friends, family, they'd have a more fulfilling life. Yes, if that's what they want. And if they don't, then they need to own that, right? We have to dump the should. We're shoulding ourselves to death. You should do this. You shouldn't do that. So whatever it is that really serves them, including serving others. Now, of course, we all know behaviorally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, giving to others, giving back for, for sure comes back to each of us in many different ways. And most people do enjoy giving and they receive in ways that isn't always super clear, but it's there. So how do you kind of navigate that? Because that, um, that kind of balance seems tricky for a lot of folks. Yeah. So I'm really the anti-balance lady. I preach integration because harmony beats balance every time. And it's back to your word of pruning, which is consciously deciding the things to prune. Sometimes it's daily. Sometimes it's weekly. It's usually not monthly or quarterly. It isn't quite like running a business with metrics. It's more in this moment, in this time, on this day, what will really be optimal for me? And you'll find you end up more joyful and that creates more energy. So being more energized versus being more de-energized. Watch your energy. It doesn't lie. But what about the um, sometimes contradictory joy versus meaning that, or yeah. purpose where sometimes it requires me to sacrifice and to do something that I'm not thrilled about right now? in order to get something that maybe is better for me down the road. Yeah. The way you describe it is that it's a conscious choice. And that's where I see people falling off. So it's not a conscious choice? They aren't conscious. Right. They just are all of a sudden, how did I get here? Why do I have this meeting? Why did I agree to, you know, have time with this friend that's toxic? Why am I not getting this promotion at work? I'm working so hard. You know, maybe you're not even in the right job. Maybe it's not right culture fit. Maybe the leader of the company, even the CEO is not really in alignment with you. So alignment has a lot to do with making sure you're picking the right equation for your own life. But in order to do that, if you don't have the self-awareness, to be in that moment, there has to be a way to kind of check your results. You know, there was a saying that uh, you are what your record says you are in sports, you know, so you may think you're this type of person, but there is a reality of the type of person you are. And at some point there has to be an assessment of, you know, kind of an honest assessment of, well, maybe I aspire to be that person, but today I'm this person. Yeah. And I really encourage people to have what I call an accountability partner. It might be a friend. It might be a loved one. It might be, you know, a husband, wife, partner. It might be a coworker, someone a little more neutral who maybe isn't as close to your inner circle to really hold each other accountable of what is it that you're good at? 
what is it that you're not good at and going for what it is you really want within reason. So making those trade-offs and those micro habits is really important to have accountability. And let's face it, we're still human beings. We aren't that great when we're all alone in the dark by ourselves. But is that where your coaching comes in or can you be that accountability partner or is it better for them to find kind of a, a acquaintance type person as the accountability partner? Yeah, interestingly, in some ways it's both. So there's a lot of free resources that I have online for people to self-assess. And I do find that when people self-assess, they are fairly honest with themselves. I watch our quiz data all the time. I love data. And the quiz data starts to morph and change as people make those micro changes and they reassess and they reassess and they start to really figure out, wow, I made that one hour shift. I, for example, I have a client who's kind of a workaholic. She works 80 hours a week. She has two little kids. She has a side business and a regular business. She's got a husband. She's a daughter. She's a friend. I mean, all these hats. And she did not want to just take one of those 80 hours of work per week and put it into her own jogging situation. And she had given up jogging and she was so depleted. So we coached through it. She looks at it herself. She shared it with her husband, her best friend in a different part of the country started working with her on it and started making her own trade-offs. So really it's almost like a 360. Now, are you seeing um, some folks kind of use this pandemic as that pause, as that deep breath to reassess? I have seen more people reassessing their total life package in the last 14 months than all of my years combined working with and through people and teams. So it has been a dramatic kind of wake up call for a lot of folks. Yes. Now, uh, looking forward, how are you um, kind of seeing this play out now? The pandemic hopefully is waning and that people will probably revert to some sort of that hamster wheel again once they get into the routine of a more normal work environment? So the hybrid tends to work, which means we don't have to go back to the way things were completely. And in fact, I'd encourage us not to. We're seeing flexible work time more than ever. We're seeing new ways of working where people come as themselves to work, whether they're on camera or off camera. I mean, we're seeing people's laundries and laundry in their real lives play out in front of the camera. We're even hearing it. There's kids and dogs and you know dishes and things that you can hear happening and going on in the background because we don't know who's all at home working together. So yeah, I mean, everything's visible and we need to take some of that while we also get back into what is it that was optimal before? What is it that's optimal now? And blend that up. And that's the hybrid. Now, are you seeing organizations kind of embracing this kind of grace that this forced on everybody? I love the word grace. Yes, I'm seeing a lot of grace. And actually, I'm seeing a lot of 180s across the country in companies that said before, no work from home. Then they went to all work from home, and now they're starting to figure out the best ways to have people productive and joyful and cared for by being both in the workplace and also off-site. Now, in your practice, what is uh, kind of the ideal client look like for you? Is it, uh, is it in the tech industry, or are they uh, solopreneurs, or are they you know, high-powered executives? Who is your perfect fit? It's mostly people that are self-aware enough to know they want to make the transformational change as leaders of their companies and leaders of their lives. 
So I have a lot of clients in different types of environments, both solopreneurs and founders, C-suite executives and teams. And also I've started to do more and more with women's groups and really helping young and up and coming women. If we could just teach this stuff earlier, like I do with my own daughters, they're probably tired of hearing me say it, like turn off the coaching mom. It really makes a difference because when you're an up and comer, whether you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. You may not even understand what you're going to face as you make career choices and life choices. Is there um, some friction or some struggle that a, a person is having when they're in this transition, at least mentally, uh, where contacting you or your team is the best move to make? Yes. And asking for help is not weakness. Asking for help is strength. And that goes for everyone. Now, if somebody wants to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on your team, get a hold of your book, maybe check out your podcast. Is the What's the website? Yeah, settlesmarter.com and all of the social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Medium, all of it is at settlesmarter.com. And we have headliner experiences coming up that we'll be doing online for inexpensive programming so that as many people as possible that want to learn the methods and the madness will be able to join us. Well, Dana, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. I thank you so much, Lee, and thank you to your listeners. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Bay Area Business Radio. 